Invest in yourself today with our Insider Pro product, which gives you the career path to reach the next step in your cybersecurity journey. Join today on cyber.it using the discount code podcast. The word cyber is a vague and misunderstood term for many people. Cindy Gula, managing director and co-founder at Gula Tech Adventures, explains why there's a critical disconnect in people's understanding of what cyber means and how it actively impacts them every day. In this episode of the Cybery Podcast, Cindy, Jonathan, and Thomas dig deeper into what cyber really means to the individual, how to make cybersecurity more personal and relatable, and how renaming cybersecurity to data care could have a positive impact on future generations. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cyberry Podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined by Jonathan Myers, uh, Cyberry's Head of Infrastructure, and Cindy Gula. How are you doing today, Cindy? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing very well. Um, and today, you're going to talk to us about uh, an idea that you've had for a while that you've kind of discussed with me and Jonathan a little bit, and we're just going to kind of go from there. Yeah. Yeah. The idea really came about because I'm a woman in cybersecurity, and so I constantly kept getting asked, how do we get more women in cybersecurity? And I'm like, you know, people who are in cyber deserve to be in cyber. I mean, it is not just a, a thing anybody can join and to do. However, when you look beyond the landscape and you understand how many people we really do need to be in the cybersecurity field or in cyber, but then when you look beyond that and people aren't paying attention, the, the, it's, a, it's a team sport. And people just are not paying attention. And you start really analyzing why. Why, when you say cyber, do people's eyes glass over? Why, when you say cybersecurity, that it seems to be the idea that it's somebody else's problem. But this is a way the society is. If you're not in security, it's somebody else's job to do that security for you. And cyber is a relatively new term. It didn't exist 20 years ago. Information technology, um, a bunch of ideas in the name, information assurance. Computers, again, have been such a small uh, amount of time and look at where they've grown and, and gotten to. So as a society, we are not digesting this word cyber to know what it means. And so I really started looking around and I said, healthcare. People kind of understand what that is. People take it as a, an idea that they can understand. But it used to be the medical field. And how exciting was it? Oh, do you want to go into the medical field? Not a lot of people jumping in going into the medical field. But when they changed it to healthcare, it became personal. It became something I could do at home. I could teach at a school level. I understood that um, it's not just health in you know, eighth grade class that you learn about your body things, but it's healthcare. They teach you how to brush your teeth. And then, and then this idea of hygiene and, and with this pandemic, everybody now knows how to wash your hands. They know, you know how to wash your hands properly for 20 seconds and, and to that extent. And the entire society is just doing it because they understand the impact and the role that they have to other people's health and your own health and how it all kind of ties together. So my idea is instead of calling it cyber, we call it data care. Because fundamentally, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about your digital data, your the data that's stored um, that you don't even know you're creating when you go on the web or the internet or your credit card or enable to do your banking. You know, previously you'd have to go to a teller or an ATM to get your money and to that. But now most of the transaction is all electronic and that data is just starting to, to build up. Now, most people with cybersecurity like, well, if somebody takes my credit card number, that's all right. The company will give me another one. But really start rolling that back and you start saying, wait, this is data. This is my data. And if it's data care and not cyber, it makes it personal. Like this cyber journey is a team sport. We need everybody involved. And if you say data care, legal and lawyers can understand their role in it. Policy writers and, and um, political people can kind of see what their role is. But just fundamentally, 
cyber hygiene, what should I do personally to better the entire digital platform that's out there? And so that's kind of where I'm trying to say is, I think if we say data care, we're hitting those points where it's personal. It makes people pay attention. And it makes you want to do something to enable and help make it better. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. I mean, when we first talked about this, and you brought it at the big at the beginning, um, how the the healthcare industry used to be the medical field, and just there's you know you only went into the medical field or had anything to do with the medical field if you were a doctor or someone kind of right along that kind of career pathway. Where now in the healthcare industry, you know, there's teachers, there's instructors, there's you know, doctors, there's everybody else, there's the whole healthcare system, there's insurance for healthcare, there's all of these things that get bundled up in healthcare, where before the medical field, none of that was really kind of thought out. And so maybe kind of pivoting and going from cyber to data care, we could do kind of the same thing and kind of roll everything up into one, um, one thing that everyone kind of understands and has a better entrance into than just the cyber field, which is just some monolith that no one really understands besides some of the people that are in it. And even then, most people in cyber don't understand all aspects of it. Right. And, and bringing the doctor piece into it as well. If I say doctor, you understand there's a lot of different types of doctors. If you have something wrong with your foot, you don't, don't go see an eye doctor. And so the conversation with people really started saying is cyber is more like being a doctor. You can be in forensics, you can be in offense, you can be in defense, you can um, do both sides. You you know, there's just such a, a wide, broad spectrum that cyber just doesn't capture. And how do we get the public and, and people to understand and want to listen? Because again, you say cyber and people, it's just the eyes glaze over. It's somebody else's problem. It's too big of a problem to, for me to, to take. And, and, and that's kind of things like, oh yeah, do you want to go into the cyber um, industry? And it's like saying, here, take the entire world and like Atlas, put it on your back and you're walking all by yourself in your hoodie and on your computer and it's a solitary life. That's how we've sold cyber. And so, of course, it's not that attractive. However, if you meet anybody that's in cyber, we are passionate about it and it's amazing. And just from a point of view, it's constantly moving and going forward and new technologies and new techniques. And it's, it's never ending. But when we go to talk to the public, we talk to them with that excitement and not necessarily at a level that they're going to be welcomed and invited and understand their role in um, the whole digital world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Yeah, I think it's I think it's it's, it's pretty interesting cuz I mean, I guess if you like really dig down into it, like it used to be protecting like your personal medical documents, like it didn't used to be that big of a thing and then it suddenly became like a huge concern. And what's crazy is I would argue that probably your like actual data trail that you're leaving today on the internet um through all these apps and all these tracking things is probably more important than like showing that you had some sort of medical history in the past or like that you've been committed to a mental hospital because I think you can you can basically you can't really weaponize that anymore because people are like yeah no I had mental issues and it kind of blows over but now um I guess we saw in like 2016 election and probably going to see again in this election that we're basically weaponizing human behavior and trends because we can basically pinpoint you and learn how to manipulate your behavior based on your data trail, um, the things you purchase, like all this crazy stuff, targeted ads and all that. And I think getting to the point to where we can convince people that that's more important than your healthcare documents and all the regulations and rules and stuff that go around healthcare like should be the exact same, but more stringent as we kind of start to move forward. Um, and it seems like nobody really even cares. Like I think Andrew Yang is like running on it still and trying to get people to realize this. And I just, I don't think he's going to win that battle. Like, I just don't think there's enough like weight behind him to kind of figure this out. And so my, my concern is how 
I think it, it does start kind of like with the branding, like what you're saying is like, we have to brand this a little bit better because as soon as people hear cyber, like they're just done. Um, and we've also proven that Congress and the Senate, when they're interviewing tech leaders and people that actually know like cybersecurity and technology, that they're so far disconnected, um, which is kind of scary because you know they're not doing most of the research themselves. They have staffers and things like that. And it's they're still coming up with these questions that like show no understanding of like what is actually happening in the world. Um, and so I think that's that's super interesting, right? Like we're still talking about encryption backdoors and people don't understand that like math is hard. And like, if you open the door for somebody, you've opened it for everybody. And right. um, but to that, to that specific point on encryption, because that's the other point is when we talk cyber, those conversations are harder. However, we talk data care and you say something to the effect of, do you think as an individual, you deserve to have the same protection as the federal government and that your data deserves to be protected from any eyes without any type of warrant and that type of thing? And if they say yes, then you're like, well, that's what encryption is. It's, it, it, it takes that need to knowledge of how hard it is and really makes it personal. Because if I can talk about your data and not necessarily the bad guy's data, then you kind of switch the conversation and you're like, wait a minute, that should be my data and I should have protections and it's my privacy. And you know how, do, how does the government balance the role between getting access to that and my privacy, now I can have a conversation with a majority of the public. Talking about encryption, you know what? You start talking a little too high level and eyes glaze over. I don't understand. It's over my head. But it's really not. Fundamentally, it's privacy. And what can we do and what do you deserve with your privacy? Yeah, I think an interesting correlation if we're sticking like with this whole healthcare thing is like the rise of like hygiene and like sewer systems and things like that. It's like, these are just like baseline, like washing your hands is just like a baseline that raises your protection level that much more. And it's like, oh, encryption, like just make sure your data is encrypted. And it's like, you've now just raised the bar almost exponentially, I would say, to an attacker. Because he's like, if he has the choice between somebody that's doing that or not doing that, he's like, oh, I'm going to go after the person that's not doing it. And so it's like a very trivial switch that just exponentially raises your kind of privacy level. Um, And I think a lot of people don't kind of like understand that. And so I think that's where this like whole correlation kind of comes in. It's like, there's these like very, very baseline steps that are just, you know, especially with the technology companies and things like that are just basically encrypting everything for you anyway. But you just kind of have to opt in on a lot of them. And then some just do it um, without you knowing um, as like a best practice. And it just, it just kind of raises that bar just a little bit, which is kind of all you need is a bunch of little bar raises to then kind of get to that point to where we're a little bit better. Um, and there's, there's two points that you kind of said in there as well. One, the big companies. Well, if it's data care, they're in the industry. There is no separation between cyber and the big tech or the Facebook or it's data. If you take data, you're in the data industry. And where I like the ideas, healthcare is really good or they should be really good at taking care of your health. Data care should be really good at taking care of your data. And I think that's another mental switch that I think the healthcare is taking their regulation past and applying to cyber and trying to apply cyber to it. And I don't necessarily think that everybody's doing it in the best way. Why not let the experts who are used to dealing with data dictate where that and how that data is being stored, accessed, and take it all for the healthcare and let them be good at what they're good at, hopefully taking care of our health. And the same goes, and if you, if you take this mindset, it applies to energy, fintech, to finance, to, to uh, SCADA, all those different programs. Now there's an industry that takes care of that. Like who makes the best physical lock? Well, people who need to physically uh, lock down their buildings know it. So who makes the best or who is able to deliver the best digital lock, for lack of better words? Let's go to the data industry. 
And yeah, so I, it's I, I of... do get pushback. I get pushback from people who are in cyber because they're like, wait a minute, we fought so hard to be at this level. I'm like, look, you guys are the doctors. You are the doctors of the data care. We're not taking anything away. There's the cyber experts. You guys are at the, the high level. But how many people, lay people like me, read the medical journal? I don't. If I need help, I go to WebMD. And, and I read high blood pressure, not hypertension, you know? But the doctors speak at hypertension and they start rolling and losing and, and to that extent. So I, I, I really think if the cyber experts realize they need, we, we coined it nerd whispers, to, to talk to the public to understand it's not as hard, baby steps, you can participate. You know, update your your software, patch your um, vulnerabilities, just do little things. Two factor authentication, for God's sake, <laughs> just little things will really help the entire digital community. Well, I think it's it's interesting for like cyber professionals, which you would think they'd want to offload this off their plate, um, right? Because it's like. It's kind of like these old mundane tasks that like they've proven over and over again. Like, why do they want to keep checking up to make sure people are using two-factor and things like that? They should be more concerned with like, how can I break two-factor, right? Like, how can I break these new, this new TLS cipher and things like that? Like, that's where they should be kind of focusing their time, not making sure that people are kind of doing the bare minimum. Um, like, wash your hands. I mean, that's why right. we're... You know, cyber hygiene is really a, a even a more new ner- no, uh, even a more new word than even wellness. I mean, in the healthcare, wellness all of a sudden kind of came up, and people were like, oh, you know what? It is better if I take care of myself before I get sick. It's less expensive. Everybody's behind it because the insurance companies are happier, the doctors are happier, and hopefully the patient is happier. So how do you get there? You get there with hygiene. You get there with small steps. You get there with promoting um, annual appointments. You get there with doing all these things. So from an industry, we could learn so much from the, the healthcare and the medical field and what they've done. They've been doing it for years. You need to have a good bedside manner. You need to be able to speak to your patient in a way that they understand. You need to... Uh, un- understand what your patient is going through in order to work them through what you need them to do. And, and we have to stop scaring everybody as well and stop saying, Oh, cyber, you know, the sky is falling. It, it is, but that's why we need everybody in the game. So get everybody on board, get everybody in the boat. We need a a bunch of people rowing in the right direction. I think it's also, I think it's kind of an interesting thing is how Apple is kind of, kind of leading everybody to this space. Um, Especially with like the new iOS updates that are coming out where basically the phone holds all the data and then every app has to request it. They kind of started doing that a couple of years ago with like health. And so it's like their phone, like your specific phone holds all your health data and now providers can request access and you can access your medical records and they're kind of making it all in this little vault. And now they're kind of moving it over into data location and I think, I think that's great, but it's hard to kind of get other people to kind of follow that path, right? Like you get Google to follow that path, but people that aren't making these types of devices that can kind of hold it aren't really kind of going down that route. Um, it's kind of more like a forcing function where if you want to use users data on iOS or Android, like you're going to have to start playing by these rules. And I think that's good, but you still need people that are kind of explaining this because Apple kind of knows it, but their, I guess their way of explaining it's more of like a marketing ploy to get people kind of going as opposed to like, hey, let's raise like the baseline and kind of do the right thing here. Right. And you know who's listening is the cyber expert. Mm-hmm. So from, from the point of view, you're going to get those people listening. You're going to get their attention and then you're going to get them like you promoting that type of thing. General public's going to hear this expert told me this is better. I don't know why. I just am going to do it. And that type of, of, of ability to, to make it personal is, is what we need. 
the, the, the shouting at the cyber mountain that you need to do these things. Oh, okay. Well, somebody else, my, my credit card will give me a new, new uh, card. Uh, you know, how many hacks are there? How many millions of documents are there? My dad is out there anyway. Why does it matter? Until we say your dad is out there. But what about the integrity? What if you wanted to do something and somebody got a hold of your piece of your data and said, you used to live XYZ, that is not where you lived, but they also make it look like you are participating in a action that wasn't what you were doing and, and making it look negative. Now you've got to defend a negative. So it's not necessarily just about putting data on there and your data being collected. It's now the, the sense of integrity of that data and who's responsible. Because right now with big tech being big tech, not in cyber and Fun, uh, finance being, you know, finance and not in cyber or or in data collection and and this type of stuff. How and who and who's writing those regulations? And if we had an industry, if we had even right up, just like in health, there's a surgeon general, there's a local uh, a local public health, there's state public health. If we if we structure and take a lot of the information from healthcare and mimic it and, and make that data care. The similarities are, are really easy to draw, even for people who aren't in the cybersecurity. And you get the wellness, you get the, the care. And the other idea that healthcare has done, you do first aid. If you're out hiking or, or this or that, pretty much somebody's been trained in first aid. They don't have a doctor's or a nurse necessarily um, area, but they know the small little things that they can do. So we we can start local and we can build community and we can have community teach community and then we can have state. But there's then you go to the point, if you really break your leg, you're going to go to the hospital. Well, what is the cyber hospital? You know, what is what is that place where people can go that they can get help. And, and again, if we really start drawing very good analogies and utilizing the healthcare department uh, or healthcare industry, it's, it's there. The roadmap is there. We just really need to dig deep and be able to get out of our own way, allow the public to participate, and it'll help drive yet more people in. Diversity is a, a, a big word and it means different things to different people, but that diversity of thought is one thing in cyber that we're not exactly getting because who's running towards the fire in cyber? We've got a lot of people who are ex-military, people who are want to defend, are ready to protect and, and do that type of stuff. And that's great. But we need the people watching the fire. We need people studying the fire. We need people to understand how to engage the public to understand how dangerous that fire is that they want to avoid it. And then the steps on how to avoid it. And we're just missing, missing that, uh, that angle. Yeah, Cindy, I'm glad you brought up the, the similarities between the healthcare industry and cyber so far. Last time we spoke, we kind of went over a couple of things and came up with some similarities like privacy, personal protection, safety, education, accessibility and availability, and regulation and insurance. And I think that education is such a key aspect that I think once the medical field switched to healthcare, I mean, that was a huge proponent. I mean, now there's those first aid classes in school. You start taking health, you know, kind of courses, you know, usually in, you know, like the fourth grade or something like that, or fifth grade. Once, you know, you, like uh, they start doing health and then in middle school, you go through it, high school, you know, if they started doing the same thing with data care and they start teaching it in school a little earlier, I think we would get to a point kind of what Jonathan brought up earlier is, you know, we're not having those fights about encryption anymore or two-factor. It's like people would already have kind of that base level understanding of, oh, okay, like I already understand this enough where, you know, we can kind of move past this point. Um, you know, where to the layman, I mean, technically the three of us are all in the cyber industry, all have wildly different jobs. Um, I mean, 
Jonathan describing his, what he does to my parents versus what I do describing to my parents versus Cindy, what you would tell my parents you do, they would be like, oh yeah, it's cyber. Like I don't, doesn't make any difference to them, even though they're all completely different. And I think, you know, starting that education way sooner for people and getting kind of everybody behind it, everybody would be at least on some base level where like, you know, we all understand this is my hand, you know, where everybody would understand kind of those entry level aspects that some people just kind of gloss over. And, you know, we can kind of get into the more nitty gritty things, um, you know, of the industry a little easier. Yeah, we're involved in uh, National Cyber Education Group, which is um, partnering with Discovery Education to bring kindergarten through 12. And I want to call it data education, but it's cyber education. But it, but it doesn't say you're going to a cyber class. What it does is it weaves it into your class. So a first grader in English class, circle which one of these is a good password. I've told you it's got to have a number, a capital letter, a lowercase letter, and a special character. A first grader should be able to do that type of, of in information and digest that to be able to pick out a good password. Now we're not teaching passwords. Now we're understanding that what that means. Fifth grade, um, read this program, and your book report is to tell me what this program does. It's English. But now it's incorporating. So you're not chasing away people who think it's too much and too hard or over their head to then get introduced to it, to then understand, oh, I can do this. I, I understand that this isn't as hard as I may have thought in my head or that the industry makes it look or movie Hollywood. Um, you know, the fast pacedness of any hacking or, or understanding in Hollywood is pretty terrifying if you're thinking that that has to be you in that seat. And so how do we invite more people to do that? Um, insurance companies have a huge role potential of rewarding good activity. And, and they've figured this out with wellness that if they reward, it's easier than, than um, fixing it afterwards. And that education just these are the minimum things you need to do in order to uh, stage one, help yourself. First aid. Here's the next level of access that that is out there to maybe get to the doctor's appointments or contact the nurse, the hotline, the nurse, the cyber nurse hotline, something, something's weird going on on my computer and, and, and kind of keep escalating. But we still need people to understand what's weird. So... I mean, I think there's it's, definitely a long way to go. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's an interesting, especially if we talk about like how many people were short in like the whole cybersecurity field. If you just basically copy the entire like healthcare hierarchy of like positions and things like that, I mean, I, th- I think it's very easy to get a bunch of people down at like lower levels, right? Like receptionist at doctor's office can do some level of like triaging and then you have like a nurse and like you have all these different things. And I think getting people to kind of go into those lower level things where it's just like you're kind of troubleshooting these like baseline systems, it's very easy to kind of transition to that as opposed to saying like, I'm going to make a career change and go into cyber. And it's like, it's just this huge wall of you start reading all these crazy documents and things like that. And I think it, it gets super overwhelming. Whereas if we kind of take like those entry level things and kind of structure everything like a doctor's office... It's, it's very easy to kind of translate these skills and have like a stepped up like approach in the kind of getting more and more advanced. Um, but yeah, I think that's, exactly. that's an interesting way to, yeah. Cause especially cause training people to like be these like baseline things is like, it's very easy to kind of be like, here's like a, a two week course on like what a password should look like. How often should you change your password? Like what is multi-factor and things like that. And I don't think I don't think we've done a good job of kind of explaining a lot of these things in the past. And there's nobody really you can ask, right? Like when a bank right. tells you to turn on multi-factor authentication, you're going to read their blurb? Probably not. And then you're going to get confused when it doesn't kind of work. And I think there's no... It's like businesses don't really always come up with like the best way of explaining why. It's kind of like these are now the steps you have to take because some law told us that you have to kind of have this now. 
um, is opposed to somebody that like when you're in a, uh, like a doctor's office and they're like, here's this new medication. Like it's going to affect you this way, this way, this way. Like here's some mitigating effects. Like you can, you know, wash your hands more, make sure you don't touch the infected area. You change out your bandage. And it's these very simple things that could kind of easily start to transition and get the, uh, the other people kind of on board and stuff like that. So. Yeah. And, and there's different ways to talk to people, you know, and treat people. So the medical fields has geriatrics. So we would have to have a, a similar, the seniors, you talk to them differently with respect to what they need to do. Same thing with pediatric, you know, children, young children, you know, they need to understand nothing's free. Oh, I've got this free app. Well, you know what? <laughs> nothing's free. There's a reason it's out there in order to, to either get your data or, or learn something. Um, and as long as we teach them to be skeptical and able to look and, and understand, then they can make those choices. But it just seems like it's willy-nilly and there's not any really fundamental foundational understanding of, of how the internet works and why people would be doing anything with your data that you don't think is a problem. Like, I have nothing to hide. I hear that all the time. Why should I do such and such? I have nothing to hide. And it's not about anything to hide. I go back to in integrity. I go back to they can use your, your information. God forbid they use your information when you're dead to get some financial gain or against somebody else. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's things that are going to live long beyond you. And I'm not sure our generation is quite understanding the impacts of what that could mean later. These data lakes that are out there, they're terrifying. It's just amazing how much when you think, how long has the internet been around and how much information have I put out there and how much information has been not my reason shared. Because most of the criminals, the cyber criminals don't steal something directly from me. They steal it from a company that I gave my data to. So what are they doing in order to assure me they're protecting my data and into the long term protecting my data. And that's where I'm, I don't think cyber's done a good job because I think, again, it's here and now. It's what have you done for me today? If my record was now taken, well, it's gone. All my stuff's out there. Okay, that's fine. But you still should know and own your data. I want the public to demand the data be theirs and them understand that they have a right to their data, their digital data, and that they have right to have people who have it protected. And, and we're just not there. But then it rolls into regulation, insurance. It does allow people to play in the data care industry that normally wouldn't think that they have a, a, a place in cyber. So regulation, insurance, policies, um, ethics. Um, even just standing a, a, a Geneva Convention, for for a lack of a better word, with what's acceptable, what's not, what's socially acceptable, what's not socially acceptable, and then we can build repercussions and then accountability and responsibility. But we don't. It's wild, wild west right now. We don't really have a a, a organization or a a global view of what that really means. And when you pull all the onion apart. At the end of the day, we're talking about the data. And if we can figure out how to centralize it around the data care, everything else kind of falls in line. Yeah, I think one of the other interesting things is like how GDPR has kind of popped up. The California ones popped up, um, a couple in South America. And it's, it's weird how they were written strictly for like corporations. Like none of it addresses like what an end user should do. It's just basically like these are the rights that users have. You should protect them as opposed to I think if there was something like a kind of a body that could explain what GDPR does. Like because the average person isn't going to know how to hold these companies accountable to doing GDPR things. And so the government... Is the government going to enforce all these? Like, I don't think the EU has a big enough team to go around and make sure everybody's enforcing this. They rely on certain cybersecurity professionals to basically raise a flag and saying, these guys aren't doing it. But I think it gets us to a better situation if everybody's kind of aware, like, what should happen, right? Like, everybody knows what HIPAA is. 
and they understand that like a doctor should not just be giving out their your medical records to a random person on the internet. Like that's very, very clear. And I don't think we have something that's kind of like even remotely getting to that point. Um, and I don't know if it's like a, a government thing or just some other private like entity that kind of sets these standards. But I think it's it's an interesting conundrum that this kind of solves. Um, and, and, and healthcare at least has borders. Yep. And one of the issues with data care is we don't have borders. We, we don't necessarily have a government that regulates a um, attitude. And, and again, if it's called data care, the whole idea of Huawei also becomes an easy, easier conversation. When you say, do you think it's okay for someone to access your data and ship it to a country and keep it without your knowledge? And if your answer is no, then the conversation's over. If the conversation is, well, I don't care, I don't have anything to hide. They're like, yes, but what if you, they take that data, manipulate it, and now the integrity is lost and they use it against you some point in the future. Well, I hadn't thought of that. And that's the the issue. Um, unfortunately, sci-fi is probably a little further ahead of us if you're a sci-fi reader to then get a little bit more of that scare factor. But that's why we need to do it now. We don't have time. The industry is moving so fast and so quickly that the regulations can't keep up. The, the technology is going faster than people would be able to understand. But again, we can wrap ideas around data. We can't wrap ideas around who's right to an idea or, you know, to trademarks in some sense. But at the same time, data is personal, privacy, and protection. Those three things we can wrap around a global idea and then put that regulation in place for no matter how you collect it, how you manipulate it, how what you do with it. But if it's privacy, protection, and personal, it's a little easier to to make that argument that it's something needs to be done and it can't just wait. And it doesn't have to be perfect today because it's going right. to change. Yeah, it's going to change fast. It's going to yes. Yeah, I think... It's also interesting because you've got to think about all the things that like we don't even know like what they're tracking. Like I think one of the most like guardly or closely kept things is like the grocery store data that they have on people, right? When you sign up for the rewards program and then they're just tracking every single purchase you make and it's weird how the coupons are eerily exactly what you want and things like that. I think like there's nobody regulating that. Like it's... It's super crazy, especially as you start to kind of like Amazon, for example, like as they're merging into physical location now, instead of just online with them like owning Whole Foods and things like that, like now your Amazon results are reflecting purchases you made at Whole Foods and things like that. Um, And I think people are just so woefully unaware of the kind of things that are being kept and and tracked about them. Um, And so I think, yeah, it's... Right. And, and, and writing any regulation about cyber, you get, you, there's not even a starting point. Right. And, and, and trying to um, open up that Pandora's box with a congressman or a senator and, and to that end, it's, it's not, not understandable. And it's understandable why it's not understandable because it's so complex. I mean, this is, we're not talking about easy ideas. And remember when he says, well, it's not rocket science or it's not brain surgery. Well, what we do is really close to brain surgery. Right. At at a fast paced level. And, and so that's okay. But people need to understand when, when you read a cyber expert, that's, uh, they're talking to other cyber experts. It's that um, medical journal to medical journal. And, and it's not necessarily supposed to be understood by the general public. Right. However, we want the general public engaged. So how do we do that? And we have to start talking in ways that they can understand. And it's not that they're not capable. Clearly they are. It just is a lot of information and hard to understand when it's presented at an expert level. 
So I and mean, it's, it's so fast moving, I think, and it's been running kind of along for the last 20, 30 years unchecked. Um, and I think we've kind of gotten in this habit, which is crazy because you just look at like all the Facebook data and everybody gets upset about the Facebook data. But like, you know, that's all like data not- that you that's all data that you physically filled out in a form and gave to them. Like that's not data that's like, oh, we've been watching where you drive every day for the last 20 or like five years. Like that's a very different data than like, you know, and so like the Facebook argument, people got very upset. And I was like, I don't know how you're this upset because like you filled out a form that told them your marital status, like you gave them all this stuff. Like you need to be more terrified of all the data that you basically don't know they're collecting, right? Or you, you just click through the terms of agreement, terms of service and term, agreement terms because nobody's going to read 40 pages of text um, and things like that. It's, it's interesting if the company's doing it right. Like I think there's super... There's a lot of benefits to having all the access to all this data. Um, and I don't think we should stop that at all. But like educating people to what it's being used for so that they are able to know that like, oh, okay, they're using anonymized data to get the traffic. And that's how traffic works on maps. And I don't think a lot of people know that. Like Google Maps and Apple Maps, like the traffic markers that are on those maps are from people's phones <laughs> in your pocket, like updating that map in real time based on the speed of the phone. Yeah, And I don't think people... Like, I think it's cool that it's doing that. And I'm fine with that as long as like people understand that it's anonymized and all that kind of crazy stuff. Um, but I don't think people kind of understand where they're getting all this like super useful stuff. Right. Um, and I think people would be fine with it if they knew that like, oh, they're taking these steps to precaution. Like, great. Like, let them keep using this. It makes my life easier. And I'm reasonably safe or think I'm secure and stuff like that. There's some sort of guidelines that they're following um, and I can read and understand. And I think that's, that's kind of powerful. Well, uh, and, and then that's kind of the thing. So IOT and OT is certainly not going away. That's doing nothing but escalating. Talk about a hockey stick. And then with the pandemic, people working from home, how many people are using their same network that their kids are going online with? And now you're trusting your network to a school system who is doing what they can to enable education from a remote um, perspective. But again, that's the expertise is not there from a point of view of protection. So it needs some more uh, understanding people in the game on and, 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 people putting something forward in order to let people understand why this is so important. Security or, or data protection or data care shouldn't be the last thing on your budget. And if it is, and you're making that justification, then what is your risk analysis to make that? And that's where getting people to understand the risk and, and, enable them to step through how and why it's important is not what we're doing in cyber. We are just saying it's important and, you know, God forbid this happens, but there's a reason students ride school buses and not everybody drive to schools because over time they determined it's more efficient. They can get them there on time. It's safer. They've had to put the red lights on the buses and the stop signs and even um, other things to protect those children, but they've learned it over time and they did the risk assessments. I don't think risk assessments is being used correctly in cyber to say, no, this is an enabler. This is not a, this is not a negative thing. We're not measuring your risk because you're, it's a problem. It's because you have to understand your risk in order to address it. And when you address it, you need to understand, once you understand it, you're not afraid of it and you will be able to walk through the idea and put money where it needs to be to make sure you're protecting people and protecting people's data. And, and now with cloud, I mean, it's bad enough. You mentioned when we were talking earlier about trying to explain what you do to your parents, you know, say, oh yeah, this is what I do. And you clearly the glass eyes and they just shake your head and okay, it's cyber. I got it. I, I got it. I, I know nothing about it, yeah. but now you add cloud. So where is your data? And, and these ideas. So 
the as an industry, the cyber industry has a very easy way to scare people away from even wanting to understand because of the complexity. So if we're talking about cloud and you're, and you're talking about, um, you know, global, where is your data physically? And they don't need to understand any of that. Really, it's data care. It's my data. It's personal. It's private. And somebody needs to protect it. And if we can kind of wrap all regulations around it, insurance around it, data enablement um, access, it, it just fits and feels more personal and it more like a community can grasp it because it is. We're, we're all in this game. We need, we need coaches to make the regulations. We need players on both sides of the field. We need fans because the fans are the ones going to pay to play and, and, and watch, watch it go on. So, I mean, it's not for free that security and protection of your data is, is necessary. And again, people have to understand that. Yeah, and I think it's, it's an interesting thing that kind of happens is we've kind of started to get in this habit of like blaming companies for not taking care of our data, even though we have no idea what data they have. We have no idea how they're going to secure it. Like we have no information on any of this, right? Like at least in a doctor's office, you know your data's locked in a filing cabinet, right? And you're like, oh, there it is. But like these big companies, we're expecting them to do the cybersecurity for us. And I think one of the biggest recent examples is when... um the coronavirus hit and then everybody started working remotely and doing education remotely. And then Zoom got under fire for like people that were like breaking into meetings. And it's like you, you find out that people weren't sending passcodes. They were tweeting out links to the meetings and then were upset when people were joining the meeting and they were like, this isn't secure. Like, how dare you say you're secure? And, you know, and then Zoom stock price just took a hit because everybody was just like, Zoom's bad. They have developers in China, even though nobody understood what that meant. Like nobody understands what that risk is. They're just like, China's bad. And then that's kind of where they went to. And Zoom, like Zoom had to just basically reinvent their privacy talks um, and turn on default settings for people because it was very apparent that people couldn't be trusted to turn on basic settings like enabling a passcode for a meeting, even though you would assume that people know what passwords are and how it works and things like that. But um, we got to get out of this. Yeah, we got to get out of this habit of just blaming companies for not doing the right thing when we as, you know, like normal citizens don't understand any of it, even though it's such an essential part of our life now. Right. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, most people don't understand there's an issue until something like that happens and it's on the news and then everyone knows about it and then it's and then it's a problem. I mean, the whole thing with, you know, like Facebook and Cambridge, Cambridge Analytica, nobody really, and then it hit the news and then everyone was all aware and up in arms where it's like, yeah, this has been happening for, for years and nobody really cared or noticed or did anything about it. But now that everyone is aware, now everybody's trying to get on board. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you go to identity management and you had mentioned before about Apple putting all the data on your phone, that's the way it's going to go. We need digital identity. There, there has to be a solution that there is a way to authenticate your identity digitally. And with all the data out there, and again, we go back to the integrity. It's not necessarily what the data, what is what your data is being used to be done today is what's going to happen tomorrow. And that integrity just keeps creeping into who's making sure this data is right or not changed or not being used against me. And so there's this whole digital identity and online identity will solve healthcare, fintech, you know, how I manage myself in a lockbox lock in, in a digital vault and it's, it's mine and I let people have access to it and I control access. But we're nowhere near that and nowhere near having the public understand if we gave them control what to do with it and how to use it. So education is, is going to be key. But at this time, our generation needs to fix or, or at least lay some really 
strong foundation in order for the rest of the roots and the trees of the internet to grow through because it's, it's wild, wild west. And we can't stop the innovation. We, we, and we shouldn't, but we need to put parameters and, and bumpers and, and uh, a Geneva convention-ish type thing about how we are all going to use this wonderful tool of internet and technology to keep us moving forward and, and do the things online, but safely with privacy and protection. Yeah, I mean, that kind of something that popped in my mind while you were talking, Cindy, is last time we talked, um, you asked me a very poignant question that took me a second to kind of answer. And I mean, as we've been talking, I've been thinking about if you ask kind of the same, I always think about asking my parents any technical question because they usually don't understand. Um, but is Amazon a cyber company? Um, I remember you asking and immediately I was like, yes. And then I think, and then yes again. Um, but is it a data care company? Absolutely. Absolutely, Absolutely a data care company. Um, but I think asking, you know, kind of a, a, lame, a layman's person would, you know, they'd be like, oh no, you know, I mean, yes, maybe because, you know, they sell stuff online, but no, I mean, they sell books and, you know, bikes and things like that. You know, people who aren't aware of, you know, AWS and you, you, the other businesses that Amazon's in. Um, so it's just kind of interesting to think from their perspective what what companies are and what companies have access to. Well, and we've had Cyber Monday forever. So that's Amazon, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> again, that's why this word cyber, it, it, it doesn't have the meaning that the experts hope it would have. And so how do we capture the imagination of people to understand that they can learn what cyber actually means? And, and cybersecurity and why there's two words <laughs> and how they're related and what data is and identity management. But again, it's, it's all under this, this data care. And when we kind of keep going back to that, it's a little easier to understand. And you can get a whole lot of people involved that we're going to need from diverse backgrounds, diverse uh, trains of thought and, and be able to get the idea across that it's not somebody else's problem. They need to play the game. Yeah. They're playing, yeah. and I, whether they know it or not. And I think it's it's crazy because it's like you use Amazon as an example, right? But like, let's do the exact same thing with Walmart, right? They've been collecting data on people's purchases in their store for 20 years probably, right? And that stuff's all stored in their database and they have full access to that. And nobody ever asks questions about that. Right, so I would I would argue Walmart might have more data than Amazon, based on because that's I think that's how they're going to survive. Right, like their margins on products are pennies um, because they have retail locations and all these crazy distribution networks and and I think that's super interesting because that's how they're going to continue to make money. Right, they need to know which products to stock at which price point and things like that. And so they have these huge data lakes that are effectively like offline, right? Because they're not. I mean, I guess now they do online retail, but you know, prior to that, and they still probably make a lot of their money, people going in stores and doing that kind of thing. And we just, nobody's, nobody talks about it. Nobody assumes that they're collecting data because you're just like, oh no, it's a physical store. Like they're not, they're not doing anything. And it's like, I remember a couple of years ago working with a startup that does like facial recognition when you walk into grocery stores. So they don't need you to join a rewards company. They can recognize your face. And then when you check out, they just correlate that to your chart. And then they're also tracking when you put something in your cart, take it out of the cart, where you grab it on the shelf. Do you put it back on the shelf? Do you put it back in the wrong spot? Like they're tracking all of this. And nobody like to really be seems... Right. To be helpful. I mean, it, yeah, it makes you buy more targeted products, right? And right. they're like, oh, maybe this... This product's in the wrong location in the store because he didn't find it. You know, he had to choose some competitor. But then when he found the other one located somewhere else, he grabbed that one. And so it's these types of data is is crazy that's still effectively offline, I guess, for the most part. But let me um, roll that into the future a little bit. So you went and you used to shop at Walmart. And so Walmart has you on there. And then all of a sudden, that somehow they figured out that you started shopping at Target. Well, then all the ads that you get now are more expensive than when you were a loyal Walmart um, customer. 
So again, it's not necessarily what they're doing now and today. It's the, what could they use against you potentially in the future that you have no control over? And you might, to your point, not even know that they're doing it. You know, if they have this data, they have these algorithms, and then how are they going to promote, is the way they would say it, activity that they want versus punishing the activity that they don't want, which is ultimately what they really are doing. And so, again, I'm not saying that anybody is doing any of this. However, if you you follow the balancing ball with respect to what could you do with the data, then it comes up to, well, maybe we need a regulation that if you have these data lakes that you cannot retaliate if you find information that they were doing something different. So it's that retaliation. It's that because... Again, we're all home and understanding the importance of being able to order online and and to do that. Now, if the online gods, for lack of a better word, determine that they don't like the way you're behaving and they are able to use data against you, now we really have a problem. And that's where, again, we need to get people engaged that this is not just cyber experts do it geeking out. It, this is personal. This is their, this is their privacy that is getting played with. And from point of view of people understanding and getting in the game, cyber scary, data care is not. It's it it's personal and, and you can it's approachable. I guess is the best way of trying to say that. Data care is approachable, and you can draw your own ideas and conclusions. And maybe even not realize that you are in data care and you are going to be now. You are going to take whatever you do at work or whatever you do at um, home and you're going to take it that second step to understand I need to teach or I need to do something. I either need to reboot my computer. I need to make sure my kids are updating their phones. I need to make sure that they're not downloading quote unquote free apps without me knowing it or giving out information or data that they they shouldn't be. All of these things used to be somebody else's problem. But when you switch it and flip it and understand there's something you can do, there's little steps. And as an industry, we need to do better at those little steps. We've even talked about doing a public service announcement. You guys are probably too young when um, the, the crying Native American was on the I thought you were going to go for the G.I. Joe after school PSAs. (laughs) (laughs) See, a little bit. That's like, you know, showing um, time again. But he was looking at all this litter and this trash along the roadside. People were just driving along, throwing out their trash. In the 70s and 80s, it was horrible. It was disgusting. Well, this PSA went out. And I can tell you, everybody at my age generation... We never throw anything out of a out of a um, driving car. All the cleanup, all the adopt a highways, all of that that took someone saying this is wrong. Let's demonstrate in a simple way how we can make this better and why it matters. So, as a as an industry, that would be great for data care, cyber. I'm not sure. Um, to, to say, you know what? I know it's scary. It seems scary with this cyber stuff, but these are three simple things that you can do to enable better online experience. And, and we could get people to understand that they, they, they need to play, need to take an active part in, in what their personal data online is doing and to not continue to blame companies. However, Companies are where the cyber attacks are targeting. The criminals are targeting because they have the information in one place. And it's just easier to hit one place than it is to hit multiple places. Yeah, it's why people rob banks and not individual houses. Exactly. All the money. I think one scary, like, if we kind of continue on the same path is I can't even imagine since we're in election season, what it's going to look like to run for president in like 10, 20 years when it's like you have this entire cyber trail that if nobody's secured, nobody's taken care of, the things that they're going to dig up and then just put out in the open is, I think, insane. Um, because right, like right now, what's, is 
people were upset because Trump didn't release like his tax records and things like that. Can you imagine like just his like entire internet search history? They're like, here's a dump, go to town, every page he's visited for the last 10 years. Like if a candidate had that dumped, I think that that's a very scary thought because we're in that kind of level where people are just using it as weapons now and it's throwing rocks is that kind of crazy thing. And I can't even imagine how terrible that news cycle would be. Yeah, and I mean, I, I kind of went down a, a different rabbit hole. I mean, we were talking about, you know, if, you know, Walmart has all of your data from when you're shopping there and everything. Well, what happens when a company buys Walmart? Now who owns your data? And now who owns all of that data? And what can they do with it? I mean, you, you know, just kind of, especially being weaponized or something like that. I mean, if a, a rival company or something else bought that data and now has everything, you know, what are they allowed to do with it? You know, if you don't own that data and the company does, right now, whose fault is it or who is, you know, who's at risk really? Yeah. And, and that's why getting people to understand that it's not a, uh, a geeky game that's being played at, you know, a level that is way beyond your understanding. Therefore, you don't have to care. And it, until we get the public demanding change, the policymakers aren't going to listen. Who are they going to listen to? They're going to listen to the big companies that are coming in and telling them what needs to happen because it makes their lives easier or, or their ability to do what they want to do better. I mean, Facebook, again, might not have started out with intentions of taking data and misusing it. People might have a different opinion if they did misuse it at all or not, and for what purpose. But we have to have those conversations. We need the public to 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 vote and and to to chime in to say, no, I don't want that done, and I should own this data, and we need to make it happen. Versus this wondering who owns what. And in this thing, wild, wild west, that is going to be so hard to unwind. Agreed. Pandora's out of the box, but we need to do something to unwind it and understand. We should be at a good stage right now to understand what we might not have done correctly. But we should be able to look in the future to see what needs to get protected. And we need to act now in order to enable either stopping what's happening now and and doing something to unravel it, but really put those protections in, in place for the future so that when we don't know what's going to be happening or what's going to be used, there's at least a guideline with what should have been done. And if something is then tripped at that point, now we can have accountability and responsibility. But without any direction, there's no no way we keep stumbling through who's responsible, who's accountable, what's going to get done. You get free credit um, check or credit reports. Oh, great. You know, that's not helping my integrity of my data long term. Oh, sorry, Jeff, I thought you were going <laughs> to hop in. Um, well, yeah, uh, Cindy, I mean, it's a, very interesting idea. Uh, I'm really excited to see where the industry kind of goes with it now. I mean, I know you've had this conversation with other people over the last couple of years, kind of bringing up this idea. Um, and now we're talking about, I'm kind of interested to see where it goes and what happens. I mean, hopefully, you know, it, it's a trend that keeps going. And, you know, next year, there's a giant talk at some conference on it. Um, hopefully, starring you, I'll be front row shouting. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, thank you very much. I mean, do you have any last thoughts or anything else that you just kind of want to talk about or say quickly before we uh, we close out? Yeah, I mean, really, the understanding or the the idea of data carriers is our data isn't the only thing at stake. It's our health and our livelihoods um, and our security. It's it's all of those things. That was said uh, from an FBI um, agent that was delivering a talk. Again, top down, federal government, local governments, it, it's like this, um, like a waterfall. Like the federal government really gets it because they're trying to defend the country against nation states. So, so that's where the hyper 
uh, attention is. But we're missing the local and the community and the personal protection. And that's, it's kind of like this big pyramid. We're, we're trying to, to fight the battle up at the tippy top, which is great. And that's the hardest battle. But we really need the bottom of the pyramid in order to make those steps easier for the, the federal government to do their job. Because again, it's, it is the weakest link. It's that vulnerability that's been there for forever that somebody didn't patch. So we need to understand, and, and even if it's not data care industry, we need to make sure that when we talk to the public, that we're talking at the public and to the public at the public level and language and not necessarily at the cyber um, expert level. And I, and I hope, you know, this will help get people interested and understand that, that there is a way to come in and play in, in, the, uh, in the industry. Yeah, I agree. I think talking at that public level and understanding is, is going to be our, our first kind of obstacle to get, get crossed, uh, you know, to make sure that we're all talking at the same level. But uh, thank you very much, Cindy. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you for the time and uh, uh, speaking with us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. I had a great time. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, this is Thor. Thanks for listening to the Cyberry podcast and make sure to check back next Wednesday for our newest episode.